This is Morgan Michael, welcoming you to Kindsight 101, the podcast where you'll hear from world-renowned educational leaders about the mobilizing power of kindness, together by challenging our assumptions and venturing beyond the status quo in education, we can make a big impact, one small act at a time. Barbara Gruner is an author, school counselor, and educator who has been in education for over 30 years. She has just written a book called Mr. Quigley's Keys, which has won several awards and is highly acclaimed throughout the education and parent community for its beautiful approach to inclusion and kindness. In our conversation, we discuss the power of serendipity, creativity, and our ability as human beings to be resilient. Hey, and one more thing, if you're feeling stuck, frustrated, or feeling a little burnt out, or like you just can't quite reach your expansive goals, I want you to check out my new book, From Burnt Out to Fired Up, Reigniting Your Passion for Teaching, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and just about anywhere you get your books. It's actionable, it's research-based, and it will transform your life and practice. Through my five R's framework, you'll learn to reflect, reframe, refocus your goals, reconnect with those around you, and reveal the truest expression of who you are as an educator and as an individual. Just search Morgan Michael from burnt out to fired up. That's Morgan Michael, M-O-R-G-A-N-E, from burnt out to fired up to reserve your very own copy today. You can do the book at your own pace or snag a bunch of copies for a staff room book club. The practices are meant to be shared. And if you're looking for inspiring lessons or daily inspirations for yourself, search Small Act Big Impact in Google for my website and for my Instagram pages. Hello, Mrs. Barbara Gruner. It is so nice to have you back on Kindsight 101 for our second interview together. And I'm just delighted to have you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's awesome to see you again. It is. Um, So you, since the last time we talked, there has been so much change globally in our little corner of the world and also in our own lives. And I just cannot wait to dive in with you about this whole concept of change, transitions, uh, your new book, which just came out, a children's book called Mr. Quigley's Keys, which I'm just so delighted to share with my audience. And just basically, maybe for our audience, just tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing right now. And and maybe, maybe we'll start there. We'll start there. Okay, well, we're going to start with the work that I'm doing right now. I am so excited that after I took a three-year bit of a tour out of the schools that I had the opportunity to return part-time to school this year. So I got myself ready and I went to new hire training, which is really funny. After a 34-year stint in the public education world and then three additional uh, years teaching public educators and private and educators and caregivers in general to step back and uh, really be able to apply all of the stuff I learned and all of the private, uh, sorry, promising practices that I saw throughout my time. And I entered year 38 with eighth graders. I've got three classes of eighth graders. We started yesterday and I am having a blast. 
teaching them how to say hola, me llamo, you know, <laughs> Barbara, and really telling them like, guys, I know you're 13, but we're stepping back into pre-K because you haven't started your Spanish journey yet. And to really like break out the ukulele and to really like um, provide novelty. Today, we did some yoga. We started the class with yoga and to see these babies, these teenagers doing superhero yoga was a hoot. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow, wow, wow. So when we were last talking, you, I think we're just on the cusp of starting, starting sort of a break from being a school counselor. Mm -hmm, And so how are you navigating and, and working through that change? Because that is like a huge change to be going from from school counselor where you're one-on-one to that classroom dynamic with older children as well. That's a different, a different dynamic. Like that is so amazing. It's so super fun. It's stretching me way out of my comfort zone because when I last taught a grade book was not online. It was an actual book. We still had chalk. Really, computers hadn't come along very far. In 1994, when I stepped out of the classroom to become a school counselor, so so much has changed. But at the end of the day, kids are kids, and they may be struggling with different problems right now. But to be able to apply what I know to care for their SEL needs so much better than I did, I think, 26 years ago when I had my last Spanish class, to not be an administrator is really pretty cool because that's a big deal. Everybody's coming to you to solve problems. And I feel like in the classroom, we'll have our own little set of issues, but we'll be just like one class family taking care of each other rather than sometimes you're an administrator sometimes you're not school counseling can be like that you're not on an island school counselors are kind of usually all by themselves like you said one-on-one I just have a sense that it'll be maybe a little less lonely and for sure a whole lot more community. Uh, We're going to try restorative circles. I have already set up a peace corner, La Esquina de Paz. And here's a cool thing. Pause and pause sound very similar. So pause to just grab a little piece. And I told them today, I said, you know, you may never visit the peace corner and you may want to hide away in here. And it's going to be personal choice because we're going to look a lot at voice and choice and, and helping them own their learning. Cause I'm not going with them to high school. They, they may think I'm following them because these are the fourth graders I left behind three years ago, but I'm just helping prepare them for what lies ahead. Cause I know big things are yet to come for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, change is just part of life. And I think we're all navigating a certain amount of change, change to our status quo, to Mm. the way that we knew life pre-pandemic and some of the things we may have taken for granted. What would you say for you, this change has sort of given you insight about, like, is there anything that has sort of stuck with you that makes you think, oh my gosh, I never looked at that in this way before, but this has changed my thinking, you know? To me, I really, yeah, thanks. That's a great question. To me, I really think it was kind of, and I always tried to do this a little bit, find the gifts in the grind, but it's super, super hard what we've been through and still what we're going through. And yet there are always gifts there. 
but we have to look for them and we have to be intentional. I think my work became so much more intentional during the pandemic. It also gave us time for my illustrator and I to sit down and write the book and collaborate in a different sort of way together. Um, I think being more present, this really taught us that blowing and going 90 to nothing might not be the best way for our mind, body, or soul. And so to really be able to focus on slowing things down, mm-hmm. on, on pressing pause, on being okay with not, you know, that whole fear of losing out, really yes. on just being okay with staying home and decompressing and all the things that we know from Dr. Michelle Borba's new book, mm-hmm. Thrivers, yes. we need to build that skill of resilience. Yes. Those decompression techniques that if we're too busy, we don't use them. We might have them in our arsenal, but if we're not stopping to use them, then they really aren't any good. It's so true. It's funny you mentioned her because I just spoke to her about an hour and a half ago. I just had her on. So I'm so excited. One of my favorites. And you were the one, you were the one who connected us. So thank you for that. Without you, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that connection, which is so delightful. So thank you for that. Um, Yeah. There's a certain element of like flexibility that comes into the picture with all of this. And I think that's where I think, oh, who was it? It was Dr. Shimmy King, someone who was on my podcast probably about a year ago had said that there's the, the antidote to perfectionism is playfulness. And I think about that, this whole pandemic has sort of forced us to re-examine what we know to be true, all of the things that we hold kind of safe and sacred and has sort of upended everything for many of us in, in some respects has forced us to be flexible And I think within that, for me, it's helped me to deviate from that sense of, I mean, I I think I'm still a recovering perfectionist and perhaps I'll always be, (laughs) but I think that there's this element that has pushed me into more of a playful zone. And I hear that for you. Like, I think you wrote a book that has got to be one of the most playful, creative, challenging, but things that one can do. So I want to hear, I want to hear more about maybe that like start maybe with that that creativity and then i want to hear about how the book came up and and some of the serendipitous things that happened around it so many things i'm going to start with play in my opinion is mm-hmm. our brain's favorite way to learn i told my kids that today i said number 3 is going to be jugar and that's because we are going to take the words that you are copying so obediently into your notebooks and we are just going to play with them and we're going to laugh and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to sound goofy sometimes and it is okay because here we're family and i really i love that you brought that up i haven't really ever thought about it as an antidote to perfection. Mm-hmm. But man, you know what else is, is trying to write a book because there is no perfection. And I would be up at two in the morning out of bed, just, oh my gosh, I can make that sentence better. And then I went back to something that my high school teacher said, you're never done. It might be due, but you're never done. And so I thought, oh, That just frees me up so much because there are going to be deadlines and we wanted this to come out on June 1st, which coincidentally was my 60th birthday, because I really thought it could punctuate, you know, the point that you're never too young or too old to create. But I had a bit of a mind block because in my mind, I don't write fiction. I, I write stories like that actually happened. And so 
there was a piece of this that actually happened, but I didn't know that I had enough for a 50 page storybook. So I really had to get over the mindset that Mm -hmm. I don't write fiction. And in fact, the storybook is about being a can doer. So I mean, that was pretty, you know, serendipitous or ironic or whatever for me to have to say, oh, I, if I put my mind to it, I probably can. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, what's interesting. And I, I want to, I want to deep dive into your book and, and the illustrator and all of that is I have written a book as well. And it's about, there might be a book coming. So I'm really excited about that. And what's interesting is I think for you maybe, and for me, our books have in respective ways served us, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think the process of writing, I think the process of, of kind of going through that, it's a bit of a slog sometimes once, you know, you get that inspiring idea and then you actually dive in and it's like, wow, this is a lot, this is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so doing that, working through the book, actually taught me a lot as I was doing the research, which was amazing. So it sounds like it was kind of similar for you is, okay, I got to apply the principles of the book as I'm writing the book, which is (laughs) the irony of ironies, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. You write the book you need, I think is what it is. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Sometimes it just seemed to write itself. And then other times I'd be like, no, that's not what I wanted to say, or there's not a big enough conflict, or there's not this and there's not that. But doesn't that parallel your life where Mm -hmm. you think, oh, it's just not enough today, or I need more of this or less of this, or, you know, you're, you're just crafting what you want the story to say, but I wanted to also honor the man whose life it's um, inspired by or loosely based on. So I think there was also that it messed with my perfectionism a lot, but I'm supposed (laughs) to be in recovery. So right. There's that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's talk about the book, Mr. Quigley's keys. So tell me first about, yes, there it is. It's wonderful. It's such a wonderful book and it talks, it's, it's kind of a, it's a very well-rounded book because not only does it teach in a really important lesson, which I I'd love you to sort of encapsulate, but it also it talks mm-hmm. about inclusion, which is really, really important. Uh, and it's a big part of, of every classroom right now and should be. And so there's an element of like really explicitly teaching that inclusion and what it really truly means through story. And then the American sign language aspect is really neat because it's also, I mean, on a diverse level, it, it, it sort of gives in t- insight into that world as well. So maybe tell, tell a little bit about Mr. Quigley and, and, yeah. And, and maybe even your dad too. Cause I think that there's that parallel, I think is so cool. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So probably a dozen years ago, my friend Jennifer from across the hall, she was a first grade um, teacher at my school. She actually was on the hiring committee to bring me in um, back in 2000. And she, she would stop in and we would visit. One day my dad was visiting from Wisconsin and he just wrapped her up in a big bear hug. And she said, oh, I just love your daddy. And I just miss those daddy hugs. And so like I like to do, I just said, oh, tell me more. Because I was wondering why would she miss those hugs? Mm -hmm. I knew that they lived in Oklahoma. And she said, oh, well, my daddy passed away at the age of 52. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I am so sorry. And he said, I, she said, I know I miss him so much. I think about about him every day. He's been gone like 25 years now. And so when your dad just wrapped me up right in that bear hug, it just felt like such a daddy hug. Mm. And he's, she said, 
it was really cool because he was the maintenance man at her school. She taught fourth grade in Oklahoma to begin, and he was the maintenance man. And the kids could hear his keys coming, right? right. So you think about the custodian or the maintenance yeah. man, and you hear those keys coming, and you get excited because they're usually very nice people. They're kind yeah. and they're helpful, and, and her daddy was all of those things. Then she added, here's the thing. He couldn't even hear his own keys. Right. I said, why not? And she said, well, he lost his hearing in the Korean War. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, Jennifer, that just sounds like a children's book ready you know, mm -hmm. to be written. Mm -hmm. I can see it now, Mr. Quigley's keys. And she said, well, but I'm not a writer. Cause I said, mm -hmm. you should write your daddy's story. I'm not a writer, but I know who is like, I don't even think she took a breath. I know someone who is, <laughs> oh, but I don't write fiction, but that would, would that be fun? And then she was like, well, I mean, you know, think about it. <laughs> so I guess I thought about it for, I don't know, 10 years. I kept hearing the jingling of Mr. Quigley's keys in my head. But all I had was a snippet, some kids excited mm. because their kind custodian is, you know, jingling through the halls. Well, then I started just watching maintenance men and custodians. Mm. I met Mr. Sam in Missouri. And what he did was he brought a birthday card, a handmade birthday card to every kid in his school. He's the custodian. He has to learn their birthday and then he has to find them in the cafeteria and he wow. tucked a dollar inside and those kids would all get excited, which was no small investment because she was at a school of five, 600 kids. Wow. And wow. I thought, wow, that is so cool. That alone should be a story. And then Mr. Fred, who took care of me when I was transferred to a school and, and, and trying to find my way. And he'd be like, I noticed you need a chair. And I'm like, I didn't even notice I needed a chair. <laughs> like you would think about yeah. the kindness of these um, unsung heroes, really. Yeah. Their gentle spirit. The other day, again, this kid named Gabe, he works at our school and he notices that my, um, my stand for the Elmo is missing a shelf. And so in my head, I think, I wonder if Gabe will bring me a new shelf, but I've just met Gabe and he's not in that generation, right? He's younger. So I thought right. oh, he probably won't, but wouldn't that be sweet? Sure enough, the next morning I have got all four shelves and he says, I couldn't find you a shelf. So I just brought you a better one. And the wheels are, I mean, like that noticing that being in the moment, serving others, that servant heart, that rather than here I am, mm -hmm. there you are. And yeah. it's just um, a small tweak in your mindset. And these men have that going on. My dad does too. He was a farm, a dairy farmer forever and ever. So we have his birthday in the book. It's kind of fun, but just pieces, just pieces of all these men rolled into the main character yeah. of Mr. Quigley with the underlying theme that he, he did lose his hearing after he served in the Korean war on, um, uh, he was by the cannons on the ship. So it was loud and he lost his hearing, which allows me to bring in the kids want to pay him back for his kindness, right? They just adore this man. They want to repay his kindness. And that's when, um, Jen jumps in and says, well, we could sign, you know, like mm -hmm. we could, and they're like, we can't sign that's hard. And she's like, well, I can teach you. So now you have student taught an activity 
And we don't really find out why it is their classmate knows how to sign, Mm -hmm. knows when his birthday is. I mean, you get these little clues that they're somehow connected, but you don't really know. And so they learn how to sing happy birthday um, to you. Happy birthday, dear good friend. They learn how to sign the birthday song for him. They call him to their room. They think they say something needs fixing. And then of course, nothing's broken, but his eyes fix on them in their Mm. sign language mode. It's really a sweet picture. Audrey did a great job. Let me find that page because you see this beautiful, diverse class of learners. Oh yeah. They're can doers. And this is the sign for dear or beloved, right? Oh, nice. And so he's coming in and they're all, you know, just holding him close. They're just, they're just amazing. His kindness. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. You know, that Barbara, like it, it is, it's a really, um, it's just an important book. And I think it's a neat access point for teachers to use, to talk about all of those themes, kindness. I think it's about, about the inclusion, diversity, all of it. I think there's so many themes that you can touch on and teach from this book. So it's a really important one. Tell me a little bit about, um, about the illustrator and how that kind of came to be as well. Okay, so another serendipitous thing. She's a young art teacher. And as I was leaving Bales Intermediate, she was coming in as the art teacher. So well into that first year, um, October-ish, she reached out and said she had heard good things about me. She thought she might want to combine art with some counseling. And would I meet her for coffee to possibly be her mentor? Well, I was intrigued by that because I was in my encore career and I thought mentorship would be a lot of fun. Sadly, I derailed that idea because I left that coffee chat going, oh, I think my illustrator just found me. Now I'm going to have to write the book. <laughs> and I and I did a voicemail the next morning and just said, okay, I don't even know if you are interested in this. And I know you want me to be your mentor, but I have this idea for us and I would like to write a book and I would like you to be the illustrator. And I knew that really publishers They want to put their own illustrator on your work. They do. Yeah. I had been told that and I didn't even care because in my mind, she was going to be my illustrator. And so she sketched out this front cover and she said something like this. And I just absolutely loved it. And I don't know if you can see, do you kind of see the twinkle that Mm -hmm. follows that line? Mm -hmm. We reached out to some deaf educators and they suggested she add the visual representation of the sound. Love that. So the other day at the library, I asked the kids I was reading to, um, do you know why Audrey put that twinkle? Because she was right there and I was going to let them tell her, to let her tell them. And one little girl goes, that's the of his keys. Oh, cool. They get it. Totally get it. They get it. Yeah. And And there's that symbolism, right? The symbolism. Right, right. It brings in that visual and that sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Audrey just really, she did it all on the Procreate app. And she was so creative because she really just tried everything we asked her to do. Suggestions came back and she would say, okay, yeah, I can do that. And she would delete some um, levels in her app and add some more and put the levels back on and layers. It was so interesting to watch that process unfold and to watch her working full time and yet dedicating this time in the evenings and on the weekends to bring our story to life visually. 
so amazing. And it's intriguing because I think, you know, I'm on this real kick right now because part of this whole th- the the reason I wrote my book was was because of this teacher burnout e- epidemic. And <sighs> since the pandemic, it's it's gotten worse, right? The the attrition levels are pretty high for teachers, and with good reason. I mean, it's stressful for many people. Some of the conditions are very very stressful. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not calling anyone down, of course, who 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 isn't in a state of mind, you know, to be able to continue with this job. It's tricky. However, I think about some of the practices that we can put in place around resiliency and then around creativity. And I think creativity is like this human expression. And when we stifle that or we're not able to access that, I think there's a part of our humanity that's like hungry for it. And then it's, you know, like everyone has the capacity for creativity. That's my deep belief. And it looks different. It's not necessarily art, like A-R-T. It's how you cook your meal. It's how you arrange lunches in the morning. It's how you decide to dress in the morning. It's the way that you garden. It's the, you know, it's even the way that you, I I really think this, um, the way that you plan social events for your friends. Are you that glue person who everyone kind of goes, I don't know what we're doing. And then that person figures it out. Like, I think there is creativity in everything that we do. And Mm -hmm. so what is your thought on how this exploration and creativity, the writing, even collaborating with another educator on the illustrations, like how did that enrich your life or, or help sort of pull you along in that kind of like globally dark time? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's that satisfaction that is so hard to describe when everything just aligns and you have to have a lot of dissonance before you get that harmony. Interestingly enough, we call our main character harmony. Mm -hmm. There are so many layers for us on what it took to bring, you know, a a deaf soldier story to life, to work with her in a time when we couldn't really even get together, right? So we're on FaceTime trying to figure this out. And I say, okay, at this point, I want the book to turn like this because that's one of my favorite things when a book like this me too. Turns. Me too. And, and me and too. That's oh, funny. she just did such an amazing yeah. job. And she got a picture of him and his likeness is yeah. so spot on. And then I would just get this like satisfaction, kind of like in the symphony orchestra when it's it's dissonant and and there's a bunch of discord and then all of a sudden it resolves and yes. you kind of have that harmony again. Right. And I agree with you. You do not have to play the ukulele or knit whatever scarves or sweaters in yeah. order to feel the creativity grow. Mm-hmm. And when I was helping write the character strong curriculum, it was interesting because they put creativity as one of their 10 traits. And I had never seen it listed yeah. as kind of like a core value slash yeah. SEL skill. Yeah. But when I think about somebody trying to squash my creativity, I mean, if I get an idea, I might want to run to school right now and see how that looks on the wall. Like, That's right. Like you almost can't stop it because yes. To try to suppress it, well, I don't, it doesn't feel good. It, it doesn't. feels off yeah. or yeah. wrong. Yeah. And then I've also heard that empathy and creativity and curiosity 
all go together as well, because empathy is a Mm. huge theme in this book. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the research looking at getting curious. Mm -hmm. And then part of curiosity is creating around that. Like you said, in the kitchen. Okay. Oh, well, I wonder if ginger would go with this zucchini. Like, what about these cinnamon chips and, you know, that Mm -hmm. zucchini or whatever I'm using to create, to try something new, to step out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, that's not what the recipe says. But what if I made it just a touch better or if not better, just different this time? Yes. Because here's what we know. Easy is easy. (laughs) hard is where you grow. So I told the kids today, if it's easy, you're not growing. And you can certainly coast it easy for a little while. And I will give you that permission. But if you're going to grow and it's grow time right now, because we have a lot of lessons that Mm -hmm. we need to apply. And if you're going to grow with me, then you're going to have to get uncomfortable and we can do it as playfully as we want to. But know this, you're going to fall down and then I'm going to be there to help pick you up. I love that. I love that. I think that's so important. Easy is easy. And then hard is about growth and growing. (laughs) And I think it's true. It's like, it's that simple. It's hard to actually apply and it's hard to be okay with it when you're in the moment sometimes. Cause you're like, this really sucks. (laughs) It's really hard. (laughs) But I I think ultimately you can always look back on most adversity and kind of go, man, I learned a lot about myself or I learned a lot about other people or, or I just, I grew as a person, right? I grew. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be mindful of time. What do you think is one thing that, that educators need right now as they're heading into this year or at whatever point they're listening to this particular episode in, in their trajectory, what do they need to know right now? Do you know what? I think just go easy on yourself. So much grace. Um, Self-care is such a (laughs) tainted buzzword right now, but I don't mean get that bubble bath or go get that pedicure. Those things are lovely. I mean, get ahead of the stress. And if you can't stay ahead of the stress proactively, it's maybe just a walk. It's maybe, you know, it's maybe more than exercise. It's maybe creating in the kitchen. It's, I don't know, reading, escaping, whatever you need to do in a healthy way. Stay ahead of the stress. And if you can't, then don't forget to complete that stress cycle, right? The Nagowski sisters talk about it in their book, Burnout. And it's common sense, again, simple, but maybe not easy, right? Yes. But it's common sense. Just because I'm not stressed out anymore, there is just kind of that full circle so that I can let it go and let it be gone because anxiety takes over so quickly if you don't. That's right. Into our bodies. Right. And they say, they say things like physically get, you know, physically work through that. Right. So like go for a walk, like you said, go for a run, cry it out, like find a physical way that you can actionably, you know, journal through it or something to get through that cycle. Otherwise it does stay latent in your body, which isn't, isn't great. So no, that's great advice. That's amazing. Right. What if it's just drop your shoulders or get that tongue off the roof of your mouth? Cause your Mm. jaw is clenched. The body keeps the score. Vanderkolk yes. told us that. And it is so true. Yeah. The other stat I wanted to tell you, I read yes. 26% of people used to go into education. Do you know how many are going in these days? I don't. 4.6. 
Holy smokes. Wow. And so not only because we're burnt out, but we're not even starting it. Like the kids. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, we don't, we want no part of this. (laughs) They're not giving it a chance. So yes, we need something needs to change. Yes. Yeah. We need educators. Yes. To go all in educators that are sold out for kids that are just going to, you know, go all in, like all in Mm -hmm. and still have some left themselves. Love that. Barbara Gruner, thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast thank episode. You, Morgan. you are a ray of sunshine. Same with you. I feel energized and excited and I feel passionate and excited for the school year. So thank you for that. All right. Keep sharing your purpose and your love. You got it. Okay. Bye. Bye. I want to thank you for the wonderful reviews that you've left for this podcast on iTunes. Your reviews make a big difference in helping other educators find this show. If you think that I'm doing good work here and you'd like others to get inspired and join our 21-day kindness challenge and movement, I'd love it if you would take a minute, head over to iTunes, and leave a review. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Kind Sight 101, the podcast. For links to resources mentioned in this episode, visit smallactbigimpact.com and click on our podcast and choose this episode number. Now, I would love to hear from you. What's the biggest insight that you gain from this conversation? Head over to our website, smallactbigimpact.com, leave a comment on our podcast page, or tag and connect with us on social media with the hashtag smallactbigimpact to share your inspiring story of kindness. Can't wait to hear from you.